to start this episode by admitting that I have a bit of a crush. And it's a business crush, but it's, it's a crush nonetheless, and it has led me to stalk somebody secretly for about a year and a half. Now, the name of my crush is John Hall, and he is the creator of the world's most influential influence agency. And yes, that is a mouthful. Influence & Co., his company has been ranked the number one company dominating content marketing in the world. And in the last few years alone, his company has provided content that has been featured in thousands of the world's biggest publications. Essentially, whatever they don't know about content isn't worth knowing. John himself is regularly featured in Forbes magazine. He's created a best-selling book that's literally only just been released but is going gangbusters. He's graced the stage of some of the world's largest conferences. And all of this, despite being described as one of the most powerful people in media that you have never met, Inc. magazine. In this episode, I managed to grab John for a little while as he was running around his office on the book trail, and we talked about all things content, all things profile, all things influence. That included charisma versus credibility. Which one do you want to go for? What makes a piece of content compelling and how do you create it quickly and effectively to make sure that you're getting great stuff out there? How to put yourself in a position of visibility to grow your business and why failure isn't really that different to success. For those of you who are either into or getting into content marketing, which you should be, definitely check out his latest book just released, Top of Mind. I literally devoured it in two days and that is a very big ask for me. But for now, sit back and enjoy my conversation with John Hall. John Hall, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. You're you're welcome. I've got got to say, I was just telling you a little bit off air that... um, I am, I'm a huge fan of yours and have been for, for quite a while. And yours is one of only, having been in the thought leader world for nearly 20 years now, yours is only probably one of three pieces of content that on a daily basis, I will go out of my way to, to find and read. So. Wow. That's very kind of you to say and makes it, uh, makes it, it takes a lot of time to uh, do a lot of the things we do here. And so uh, it's, I'm glad we're at least helping you and, and some others. Yeah, well, you've you've been a huge help for me. In fact, I was reading some of the the background that, that my producer put together for me, and and there's an ink quote here that I loved. Um, let me just find it. It says, "One of the most powerful people in media who you've never met," which I thought was so interesting because I feel like I hang out with you every day. Like I say, I, I read your <laughs> stuff. I was like, "How has nobody met him?" <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, I think by now, like I'm speaking a lot more. So I think people are running into me uh, more. That was actually the, I remember the person who coined that and it was Chris Desi. He's a, he's a writer for Inc and, um, wrote uh, several books and, um, he was talking to a group of people and I think he he was talking about just really powerful people in media. And, uh, he mentioned some people and then he, and then someone brought up me and he goes, Oh, I like, and I, and I, I don't know how exactly the conversation went. But um, I ended up getting like there was like three or four press articles after that that described me as that. And I was like, man, like, I really want to meet people. So I got to get out there more and uh, and, and be, uh, you know, shake, shake hands and, and get to know people. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that now, um, you know, it's, it's somewhat changing because I really am starting to get out there a lot more uh, at the beginning of the, uh, the, the company. 
I was very focused on on the company and, and the health of it and, and scaling. And then at a certain point, I think that as a, a leader and a, a CEO, you start evolving your position. So I think now uh, my hopes is is that I get to, to meet a lot more people and, and get to know them more in person. Well, you keep coming up consistently on, on all the, the channels that I follow as somebody to watch in the speaking market. And a couple of comments that came back, which actually mirror how I feel having digested a lot of your content is what I love most and what people seem to pick up on most is that you really walk your talk. You, um, you really get out there. You're, you're very transparent. You're very real. You tailor everything as if it's written specifically or said specifically for the audience. And I think that that, although that's becoming more prevalent, it's still quite a rare thing out there. So Um, how, how do you maintain that tone? Well, one, it just, it's something that drove me nuts when, um, so there were so many people, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to say the guy by name, but he, he, this was when we were starting influence Co four or five years ago. And he preached on like, uh, Twitter is like, Hey, uh, let me help out the startups. I'll, I'll do anything I can to help you out. And he had this persona and everybody's like, Oh, that guy's awesome. It helps me out. And then I saw not only with myself, but several other times I was in a room where he just kind of like brushed people off and was was pretty rough to him and and I looked at that and and, and this per individual has a persona of you know being a, a thought leader an influencer and someone who uh, you you want to kind of uh, interact with and they can help you out and and I looked at that and I saw the behind the scenes stuff and it just it uh, it drove me nuts I was like that's so so false and and I hate that I think that part of, of truly being a thought leader is to educate and make the, the, the people around you and the next generation better. Um, and if you're preaching one way and then you do another, I think that that's, that's the way to, demo, like, to actually have someone who truly listens and, and trusts you. And it, you kind of, you start not trusting. Like when I saw that, I didn't trust any thought leaders for a while. It was a guy that I looked up to, read his content, then I met in person and was like, man, you are not helpful at all. And you're actually kind of mean. And so um, something that was very important to me from the start was, uh, and I don't know, it could be the Midwest values or just the, the people that I'm around. I mean, my, my best friend, my mother, my um, uh, co-founder, they're, they're all, all the, the people I spend most of my time with are just great people. And if they saw me acting that way after I just wrote an article and preached that way, that they'd probably slap me around. And so I think that for me, it's very important to practice what you preach, to back it up. Um, and, and that's something that's important. Uh, you know, I write about helpfulness and transparency and authenticity. And, and I think that if I'm going to be somebody that people listen to, I think it's important to walk the walk. Well, you've, you've definitely, there's something in there, by the way, about never meeting your idols. There's a whole different podcast podcast on that, but you've continued with that trend of helpfulness, um, with top of mind. So the book that's just come out, congratulations. Um, I've spent a number of very happy hours this week, um, pretty much just consuming it. Um, but I'm going to kick off, I'm going to get to that in a second. I want to kick off in a way that I, that I always kick off, which is to ask you about being an extrovert versus being an introvert. A little bit of background on that. It's, I feel like there's a story out there when it comes to thought leadership and, and in your world, when it comes to staying, getting and staying top of mind that you need to be an extrovert in order to do that. And for me, in my journey, I found that to be not true and it may well be true for some, but I'm just really interested in it as a topic. So do you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert? 
I'm for sure an extrovert. I mean, there's, I mean, anybody who knows me would laugh if you said I was an introvert. So yeah, definitely extrovert. But I mean, I think that, I mean, I would say, well, my co-founder, Kelsey, she's kind of a blend, um, but I think she's somewhat introverted and um, she's extremely intelligent and people follow and listen to her and um and she, she she's got all the capabilities of and I, I think in the future she's gonna she will be a major um thought leader so i don't think that in any way you have to be an extrovert uh, i think that sometimes you have to compensate for some of the things that extroverts have as an introvert um to be you know to be honest is that like from an extrovert they're just naturally out there they're mingling more they're hus- they're they're out there kind of uh with branding talking a lot um as compared to an introvert however as an introvert if you for example like i'll give you an example i think that she's capable of creating slightly better content than me because she's uh she's very thoughtful um she she really thinks through experiences and um sometimes can can offer some details or thoughts that even i wanted um and so for her you know she might need the help with you know getting speaking set up set up and doing some things where um for me i naturally let that you know as i I, i'm interacting with people sometimes that just naturally happens because i'm um you know outgoing and i want to meet new people and so i think that you uh introverts and extroverts have different strengths you want to acknowledge them you want to work on the weaknesses in addition to um uh, you know, identifying, like, for example, I, I, you know, I have people on staff that help with um, supplemental research and things that are, you know, intriguing and interesting that an introvert is better at than an extrovert sometimes. And so um, you got to acknowledge when you need help as well. Yeah, you said something in your book about the, the fun-loving CEO that forces a constant scowl to come off as a person of seriousness or the introverted intro- entrepreneur that strains to be the life and soul of the party. It's it's interesting because especially being an entrepreneur and, and if you want to be a person of influence, you need to wear many hats. You know, part of your job is flexibility. How do you move between – do you move between those two worlds or do you just, you know, stay your extroverted self and then pull in the team that you need when you need them? I mean, I, I don't know, like for me, it, a lot of times, like how I, I've tried to be is less about me and more about audiences and, and people I'm around. So for example, like I, I used to be a leader that just talked way too much. I mean, I still talk probably slightly too much, but way, way too much. And then I started realizing that um, as much as I do enjoy talking uh, as an extrovert and outgoing person. I also need to take a step back and realize is that the people that I'm engaging with want me to listen. They want me to ask about them, ask how, ask how their family's doing, how can I be helpful, different things. And so for me, I think that a lot of times people will be like, Oh, just be you. Well, uh, to be honest, I, I don't, I, I don't really like that. Just be you. I think that you should try to be the best version of yourself. And I think the best version of yourself is to challenge yourself to really be engaging to others. And, um, you know, sometimes that's very natural and you're just being yourself, but like, for example, somebody can be extremely interesting, just being themselves. However, they can also turn a lot of people off, um, you know, being that way you can hit and and miss. And so for, for me, like I look at it as I I always want to be myself, but I always want to challenge myself to be better and listen to those around me so that I acknowledge, I know what's engaging to them because I'm listening and I'm getting feedback and and learning. And so, um, I think that that's just the, uh, you've got to be very committed to making yourself the best version of yourself possible and not just be you, but be the best version of you possible. It's a bit like that piece of advice, just be honest. And there are some moments where yet just being honest is, is the desirable way to be, but there are other times when being mindful and being honest 
is a much better combination when it comes to connecting with people. Before, back in the Draper world, you only had certain people you go to for certain things, um, and you didn't know any better, to be honest with you. Uh, and so people could uh, get away with stuff that they can't get away with now. So it's, it's very, very important that you are doing everything possible to earn trust. Having a more credible brand earns trust. There's a lot of things that earns trust that will ultimately get you uh, or will get people attracted to you. And from a standpoint of you live this inbound life where I think HubSpot was really big on inbound and content and marketing automation and, and pointing that term. However, like what I realized is that the best relationships in my life and whether it's a client, whether it be a partner, they came um, mostly through inbound or inbound had a um, stake in it. The rise of content marketing and kind of this natural earned PR and, and rise of credibility it's, it creates an opportunity for someone to be drawn to you in a way where you're not going to them and saying, I want to sell you. I want your business. Hey, let's, let's have lunch so I can do this. The more trust and credibility that you, um, you have, the more that you can, you can have a real relation be drawn to you. Now, what I try to do is I try and focus on how you can create opportunities where people are naturally drawn to you. And when they, when they see you or they run into you, um, there's credibility there. And so, for example, even if somebody is just stumbling on like a podcast I did for a while, it's like, I want them to look at the, the bio, the bio, the things and be like, Oh, this is a credible person. Um, just so that anywhere they hit in the journey, even if they're like, for example, like my people check out people who hire my company, I think it's like 70 to 80% of the people who hire our company look at my LinkedIn profile at some point. And I want them on that journey to be like, wow, this is a credible you know, executive that leads this company. And so I'm naturally more drawn to this company uh, you know, as well. And I want to be relatable and, and, and different things like that as well. And that can be a, a great attraction in the buyer's journey to your company. And there's, there's hard facts on the, on the back of that as well. I mean, you mentioned in your book that HubSpot reports that inbound marketing delivers 40, sorry, 54% more leads. So essentially credibility delivers 50 54% more leads than charisma as in in waiting for somebody to either come to you cold which doesn't happen or stalking them and pulling them to you and and hounding them for a coffee i mean those that's that's some incredible some incredible roi yeah i mean granted like uh, anytime you look at data like that and and uh, you know that's something i included in the in the book because i actually believe it um uh, and you know because hubspot is is an inbound you know software so you've got to look at that and be like okay well yeah that's great that that data's coming out and you're an inbound software but i put that stat in there because i actually believe in it for my own data um and just sometimes it's good to put other people's data rather than yours because our data would support um that you know, our inbound efforts create a lot of opportunity for our company, whether it be through um, generating an initial lead or nurturing or what we call assists. So um, if you're talking about just like lead, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's lead gen um, or what we'll, uh, I'm trying to think of the quote or the 54% exactly because there's a nuance of is it lead gen or did it help with that sale? And when we when we look at that, I'll just honestly tell you is that uh, in, in so many, I mean, it's definitely more than 50% content affects either the lead generation opportunity or nurturing and assisting the sale and how people are interacting with the company. Um, there's a, a company, uh, there's a bank I was just talking to that, that looked at their inbound efforts compared to their, um, 
uh, outbound efforts. And they looked and they even separated outbound. And they said, okay, in our outbound efforts, and when I mean outbound is that, you know, what were people that were cold calling, that were meeting people at conferences? They looked and they tracked who interacted with content on their site and other pieces of content that had been created through thought leadership efforts and who did not. And fifty per, and the, the, the people who did interact with their content thought leadership efforts spent 50% more money in the, in the long term with them. And this was a six or, or 12 month, it was a six or 12 months uh, data analysis of it. And so just looking at not just the, the inbound efforts, it's also how inbound and thought leadership and content affects outbound efforts. And that's a, a clear example um, that, you know, whether it's an, a truly inbound or lead gen opportunity or how it's affecting an outbound um, campaign, it's very, very important that, you know, you, you believe like this is something that can be very helpful in converting people and, and having them have a stronger relationship with your company. I'm going to, I want to go backwards a second to before. I mean, obviously now you, the company's been going for five years, you've been incredibly successful. But let's go back five years to before I'm guessing that any of these stats had come to light. Content marketing was still in its infancy. I want to talk about a moment that you describe in your book where you're on the phone to your wife and you've just come out of a conference and you've suddenly realized that charisma isn't going to be enough. You've got no trust in this industry and you're feeling pretty bleak about your ability to be able to grow this business. And and you talk about a really beautiful moment where you're in, you're pretty much in tears on the phone to your wife. From that point, from that point, suddenly I say suddenly five years when you're building a business does not feel like suddenly, but you've, you've grown, you've got, had a revenue growth of 5,000%. You're the largest creator and distributor of expert content in the country. Inc is calling you one of those powerful men in media. So I think you can say whatever happened between that phone call and now worked. And so what was the most, if you, if you can define it, what was the most pivotal decision you made? There's uh there's not like one thing, like it's, it's basically, I think a, a blend of things. There's one that since that moment is kind of like, you just, you, no matter what, if you do everything you possibly can and put it all out there and then you still fail, it's fine. You can feel good about it. You need to be okay. And then you can try something else. And if you look at all of the people that, um, that have, uh, failed in like, uh, I think it was, uh, Michael Jordan. He's got this crazy, this amazing quote that talks about how many, he kept track of exactly how many times that it was all up to him at the end of the game and how many times he failed. But he's also known for his successes because he succeeded at the right time and, um, and kept trying at it. And I think that like, um, with, when I look at those, those moments, I, I just say, you know, you just keep trying and you keep working at it. And so, and you, um, you do everything you can. And that's what we did. And it wasn't just to me, it was, it was Kelsey. It was the, the people around, um, the, the team. And so that's also is that we were able to have a very, very strong, um, team that really cared, not just about, um, not just about how they performed, but also how the company performed. And so it was the, the, mental strength at the beginning to say, no, just leave it, leave it all out there. Almost like that. It's kind of like I learned it in sports, but I think I learned it more from just great mentorship from parents and and friends and, and sports and things like that. But, um, then you have the, um, the team around you. So I had this, this great team that it was very supportive. We failed, we learned, or we screwed up. We made, we made changes. We kept learning from each other and, um, we were very focused on value and in an area where PR 
content or marketing is like, there's so many people that don't trust because they feel like there's a lack of value or, or lack of measurement. Um, we've been very focused on, you know, how can we provide the most value to clients? And we've kept learning, like our net promoter score has gone up significantly since year two, three. Um, it's, it's very high now. And it used to be very, very low, to be honest with you. And we were still growing. Um, and that's a, 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 something that I'm, I'm very proud of because if you look at like, I would say the, the three things that I kind of mentioned there is that one, if you focus on providing more value than everybody else, you're always going to win. So that's very, very simple. Like I'm, I really believe that. Um, and then if you surround yourself with great people, you're going to be a performer. Um, I think that it was like Tim Ferriss who talks about one of his mentors was really big on you're the average of the five people around you. I believe yeah, that. I and, that. Yep. In life, in work, I was fortunate to have very, you know, great, five, a great five uh, people team there or, or even 10 or 15. Um, and then it's just the mentality of, um, you know, that the last thing is, the, is just thinking is that just leave, leave it out there and you keep leaving it out there. Like all your efforts, like put everything towards something and be okay with, with if you fail, it, don't worry. The most successful people, all of them failed. I just had a, I just had my first like fail in real estate. Um, I've had a lot of success in real estate. That was my first company. Just had my first fail of an investment that I invested seven or eight years ago in the last week. Now, is it a massive one? No. Um, but it's the first time, um, that I actually didn't make a significant amount of money in one of my real estate investments. But, um, you, I got to look at that and said, I, I told our leadership team about it yesterday. Um, just cause we, we do talk about some personal things or things outside of, you know, ICO and I just shared it. I was like, yeah, it's a good thing. You know, I had to fail at some point to learn from it. So, um, it's, it's a great thing and I welcome it. And then you have to look at how you move forward. And I think that's when people really succeed is, is they, they jump back and they end up, uh, you know, rebounding and doing well. You talked about your, your shift to value there. Um, you know, it, it just being about, about you and your company trying to build your company and going, well, hang on a second. What's the most valuable I can be? And I know that you're not just talking about one-to-one -one customer service. You're also talking about in a marketplace. What's the most valuable I can be in this marketplace, which for you led to, you know, you getting out there yourself and putting content out there, which sounds like was quite a big leap for you, which is interesting because you've got a content company, but actually stepping out from the brand behind the brand yourself and putting yourself out there was quite a big leap. Well, there's a couple, like, I mean, I guess like the, the biggest thing is, is a lack of confidence in my own writing where I had, and so I had that, um, where that's why it's beautiful that my company does exactly that and helps with content development, um, of that. And it helps to have a team. Things, like, yeah. I mean, like I got, I've been fortunate to, um, you know, have that, uh, resource at my disposal. And so, um, for me is that there's, there's barriers, no matter who you are. Mine was, I know like mine was writing and, and self, uh, self con or confidence issues there. Um, but the, but overall you've got to look and say, how am I going to be the best leader I can be for this company, for this organization, for myself. Um, and part of that is getting yourself out there in a way where you do engage people and people do trust you more because we're, we're away from people who want to just trust brands. They want to trust people behind the brands. And so it's very, very important that you're making a big effort to, to even push yourself. Like for, for others, like I have a, a, Oh, I was talking to a guy who, um, 
I'll just say his name, uh, but his, his name is Peter and he runs conservation or he's ran conservation.org. He's a great guy. And I was talking to him. He's one of the more connected people in the, in the United States and even the world. I was talking to him and like, he has no desire to see his name places all, all over the places. And he has no desire to, you know, it, like legitimately this guy's ego is zero or negative, whatever the lowest you possibly can. But I was on just preach. I was just telling him like, Peter, you are an amazing, smart individual that is doing great things in this world. And I want to see you out there. People want to see you out there. You need to do that. So you're in a situation to create more opportunities for the company and the people around you. And for him, it was a different challenge. It wasn't, you know, writing, we could obviously help him with that, but there's all these barriers that exist. And, um, you know, mine was one, Peter's was another, and we've got to work through those because ultimately it's very important to yourself and your company that there is leadership and there's whether it's thought leadership or relating to a specific audience or engaging with them so that they feel more connected to the company. One of the things that you did, sorry, I'm just smiling. One of the things that you did when you realized that writing was a bit of a block for you, which I was in a little bit in awe of because I've had my own experience with it and I wasn't half as transparent as, as you were, is you wrote an article about the fact that you were, that you were scared of writing and that you were concerned about your, about your writing skills and you put it out there. Now that's, it doesn't sound like much, but that's a, that's a bold move. You know, that's a really bold move for the head of a content marketing company. But you said the response that came back from that was incredible. Just having that vulnerability. Yeah. What's crazy is that like that article didn't like people taught, like always talk about virality and like, Oh, how many people saw it? And it was hilarious. Like, I think only like 2000 people saw that article, but uh, it kind of, it went, um, the people who were attracted to it were, were all like CEOs at companies, presidents at companies that were in similar situations where it's like, those are the people that are, are pretty valuable to reach for my company at least. And, um, for, for us, uh, um, it was, it was just funny. Like the people there, I had several people at an event mentioned that like, yeah, I, like I read that article from you and it was really great because like we read your content, we like it. And then you just talk about how you're not a strong writer and, um, you know, how you embrace the process of, of, of getting help with content development and things like that. And that's where it's like, this has been going on for years. Even the, some of the best writers out there have ghost writers and content developers that help them out. I'm just admitting that I use them. And so like, for me, um, it's, it's very simple that I said, you know, I think like, I think true thought leadership for me is someone that has truly good ideas, experiences, things that can really, really get people to think and people can learn from and um, really, really create, um, I, I guess, you, like I call it idea content, industry leading, uh, data driven, educational, amusing content. That is like the core. And so that's obviously the, the cleverness there is that it spells idea with those. And I, I, I noticed that. Do, <laughs> yeah. And so if you can do, if you can do that, you can truly, you know, help an, an audience out. Now, just because, you know, like I can do that with some thoughts, but I, I can't write an amazing piece fully like that. I mean, if I do, I mean, I could maybe if I spent four or five hours on it, it's very hard for me to do that at this point in my life um, and what I'm involved in. But uh, I, I think that you want to have this blend between their thoughts, their expertise, and, you know, somebody who writes like and really is amazing at flushing that out. And that's why, like, I love our process because it does that. And that's why we did it the way that 
you know, that I'm describing is that I think that the best pieces of content come from someone who is amazing experiences and, and has been through it and knows exactly what's going on there and has led there in that area or that specific situation. But then they get help from a very, very strong journalist, writer, editor, um, to really polish the piece. And I, I think that's true that the best pieces of content come from, from that place. And, um, so after ideation, it goes through a process where, Either I will just brain up my thoughts and get that, get some of those thoughts down that the team can work with, or the team will create questions and ideas around that will kind of get me thinking about the topic and, and get them the information they need. Because ultimately with a each piece of content, you have goals. You're saying, I, we want to educate on this specific reason, and we want a reader to walk away this way. And so what questions you need, what information, and that's, you know, when either that's brain dumping for me or that's the team um, kind of sparking those questions and then turning that into content. Then once they develop it, then it goes back to me and I approve it, make some minor changes. And then from there, it is um, it's sent to distribution. And that's when it's sent to either Forbes, Inc. or one of the other places. And it's it's fairly simple. We do that over and over again. And, and I'm spending probably each article ranging from 20 to 30 minutes. Like it, I, I don't think you it should take you five minutes, but I don't think it should take you two hours. Um, I think there's a kind of a happy medium where uh, I can spend a certain amount of time and, and get a certain amount of um, level of, of content. And so you also can't think that Every single piece needs to be a 10. Anybody who thinks that is never going to develop consistent content and they'll be so sporadic with content that it, it will it will not be effective. And so I look at it as saying, you know, I want a certain level of quality, let's say above a five, um, hopefully seven to 10 is kind of the range that I want to stick in. Um, and, and, it, and it creates this consistency where you have these followers who some people are going to love one article more than the next, but you're, you're consistently creating a habit that actually gets you to flush out your thoughts more. And it not only makes better content, it also makes you a smarter uh, individual. I love that you said you keep a knowledge bank there. And I know that's something that you're, you're really big on, which is just a list of, of content triggers as and when you come, you come to them or you hear of them. Um, how do you keep your voice? I mean, I know you're saying that you, you use your team, you leverage people, you flesh out your ideas and you let great writers take it from there. How do you keep your voice consistent? How do you make sure that you're still present in that piece? Well, I mean, I think it's just important that the like when you're brain dumping and putting thoughts down and like answering questions that you don't half ass it. I mean, if you if you basically write down um, nothing that's of value, like it's hard for a writer to put you know your you, that, that that into a piece. And so you you want to be effective at brain dumping, getting some good thoughts and experiences. Then your voice shows a little more, and then also you get feedback to whoever's developing content for you. So, um, you know, my writer, I've, I've went through a two year process of saying, change this, do this, you know, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. Um, and you know, once again, as I, I do the first half of that, which is giving them enough thoughts and brain dumping experiences and anecdotes and, and things that I see out there. And then when, you know, I get a piece back, I give good feedback. And then ultimately somebody understands your, your voice a lot more and you're getting the right information to keep that. So you, let's just talk a little bit about distribution now. I've heard you say on stage and, and you've said in your content plenty of times to pick the right channels, not just the ones that you think are cool. So, you know, not everybody needs to be in the Huffington Post. Not everybody needs to be in, in Forbes. What are the, how do you find the, the right channels? How do you pick a focus? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really you just you got to go where your audience is. You have to go. You also want to treat distribution like a portfolio. Um, You can. um, And this is external. Obviously, if you have on site content, that's different because you want people to keep coming back to that. But let's say with external distribution, like I have my places like um, I mean, for me now, it's Forbes and Inc. Um, that I do consistently that people know they can come back to. But occasionally I'll, I'll throw in a content marketing institute, do a HubSpot, do a piece in a, a niche a blog. I just did something in a very niche type B2B blog um, where, you know, I'm not caught up in the names of the publication. Yes, granted, you want to get some names at some point because it's a credibility stamp. If you're mentioned or writing for a bigger publication, yes, at some point it's good to have those because it's a credibility stamp. However, there are some pieces that I write in my fourth column that gets 200 on that doesn't get 200 views, but let's say a 1500 or something like that. Um, you know, that's where I could have published in a niche club and got more than that. And it could have been more targeted. Now, granted, I like, you know, contributing to Forbes and Inc. They're places where I have a good audience and um, they're good publications that I have good relationships with editors. And, um, and so that's where it's like it, distribution can, can change. And, um, and also it's like, it's crazy as I, when I do contribute to a new, you know, a place that I don't do frequently, uh, my network realizes that and there's a psychology behind, oh, I haven't seen him here or I haven't, you know, and it, it creates this um, kind of natural uh, leading the industry um, vibe than just, you know, contributing in one place and one place only. And so um, I think that there's a variety of reasons. Granted, there are some people where I'm just like, hey, this is where your audience is. You should stick to these two or three sites or, um, you know, the, it just depends on the person. But I, I don't get caught up in names. I look at overall goals and what goals are going to ultimately uh, contribute to you reaching your business goals. So basically where the eyes and ears of your target is, that's where you focus. What, how do people fail most frequently when trying to authentically stay top of mind? It's one of the questions that you said people don't ask enough. Yep. They don't, uh, they don't actually care about people. They, um, they care about themselves and they're doing it for themselves. Um, I do, when I'm thinking about being on top of people's minds, I truly do care about them. I want to educate. I want to help. I want to, uh, come from a good place that I'm actually a resource and a support and, and truly do help, uh, help people. And so that's why it's completely, um, it, it's, it's, it's a mindset that you have to have. If, if you truly want to stay top of mind and, and, and the right way, and it's at least the tactics, when you read my book, um, th- that's what you'll get. If you come at it from a, oh, how, how can I strategically just get relationships? It, it, yes, that's part of it. But a big part of it is, um, a big part of it is actually like having a mindset of I'm, I'm trying to help and get and, and earn trust with this audience. And if you can do that, then you'll succeed. But if you come at it selfishly, then it, it's, you can fail pretty easily. What are you What are you working on in terms of your own influence right now? What am I working on right now? Yeah. Um. Right now, I mean, it's book time, so it just came out last, well, last week or the week before, and things are going well. There's opportunities. There's podcasts to do. There's um, people, um, you know, wanting to kind of get content rounded, whether it be through interviewing or or other forms of content. So, um, it's gone great. I mean, we're, we're getting a lot of attention for it. And, and I think it's truly helping people. The, the messages that I'm getting from people, they're saying it's valuable. They're saying it helped them. And so, um, I think that's, that's ultimately helping me earn trust. And at the same time, it's, it's very good for people. 
All right, I'm going to I'm going to wrap up now because I know that you've got a thousand places to be today. Um, I'm going to wrap up with the question that I always finish with, which is around clarity of message, which is where you are where you are king. If I were to give you the sage and I were to give you a microphone and in front of you I could put anybody or everybody that you would want to influence, what's the one thing that you would want them to know? Oh, I mean, like it's, it goes back to doing it, doing it for the right reasons is that you, no matter what, when you gain influence, you can find so many ways to make money. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily need to be about that. But I think as a part of being a good leader and thought leader is, is, is like I said, truly doing it for the right reasons. I think there's a lot of thought leaders that don't do it for the right reason. They do it for money. Um, and so for me, it's, it's simple as that do it for the right reasons. Um, you know, truly, you know, help people, engage people. And, and I promise you this, it will, it will drive business and profit. Well, thank you, John. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found lots of useful insights and ideas for growing your influence. You can find out a little bit more about me and the work that I do by jumping on my website, juliemasters.com, or by following me on Instagram, jules.masters. If you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes. And also don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an interview.